Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, the one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest experience, Larry Zonka. This is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast episode 12. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, 411mania.com. Today, I am joined by my good friend and longtime podcasting partner, Jeremy Lambert Jr. III. Jeremy, how are you? Oh, I am doing good. I'm all shook up, Larry. All shook all up. All shook up, huh? Have you finally recovered from Mania Weekend? Yes, finally. This weekend was a very nice break outside of the uh, UFC card. But the UFC card was awesome, especially the, the top two fights. So I, I can't complain about that. Um, but I finally did get some rest this weekend. And then the Superstar Shake-Up happened. And we will jump into that. I'm... I don't know how I'm feeling about it. I guess I'll, my feelings will be known as we talk. Yeah, we're going to definitely, that's, that's going to be the main part of the show today. We're going to talk about and break down what we can just on the surface of the Superstar Shakeup. But before we get into the moves, I would kind of like to talk about the format and execution of the Shakeup show. And um, basically, I you know, these shows, like when they used to do the draft shows and stuff, they used to be a big ratings getter, a lot of interest, a lot of excitement overall. And uh, that, for me at least, wasn't the case this year. And I think part of that is the formatting and overall execution of it. And, you know, basically, I know you can't do everything like a traditional sports say, but can we not at least have like a a fake war room, um, you know, Stephanie with some random minions, you know, with pictures of people on the roster on the wall. Um, just something to maybe give us, like, a little background, a little information on why people are being picked and why other people aren't being picked. Because, obviously, if you're going to do a, a draft like this and you get to pick anyone, you're going to pick all the top people at first. But if you actually had something built in, I think, an explanation, you get to protect two, three, five people on your roster, something like that, I think that would help. Instead, I mean, we don't even get the old thing with the draft, because sometimes they would do the thing to where there would be a match between Raw and SmackDown, and then the winner of the match, that brand got the pick. And again, we don't get any of that. And then, then they would switch to, they had the big board with all the pictures on it. And then it would be like a pressure luck thing almost. No whammies, no whammies. And then it would come up on a guy and, you know, Johnny Boots and Tights is going to SmackDown. And instead now it's just, we just trot out random people. And half the time, like Michael Cole was just fucking baffled on Monday. Because, like, Ricochet comes out, and he's like, my God, Ricochet's here. If him and Aleister Black joined Raw? And he was totally surprised. I guess nobody told him they were official for the brand. But why was he surprised when him and Black had been on Raw and SmackDown for, like, two or three months now? So it's just, it feels like the whole thing, it, it's just lacking in the overall concept and execution. I don't know if it's just me, Jeremy. What do you think? 
it's not a draft anymore. They've they've been very specific not to use that term. You know, it's a shakeup now. I agree with you. Like I I one thing I don't like is the whole brand split in general. I like the brand split. Let me let me get that out of the way. I like the brand split. I don't like the execution of the brand split in that you know Stephanie and Shane are the the commissioners or the general managers, whatever their their title is or was. Uh, I think it was commissioners. And then they had their general managers. And then like the actual draft was cool. And it's like, oh, we're gonna, you know, go to war and all this stuff. And really, you know, the only time of year that Brawl and SmackDown go head to head is Survivor Series. And then they do that, and it's completely forgotten about. Like Stephanie and Shane were just fine on monday which i didn't hate as much as other people even though last time we saw them you know shane was threatening to fire people if they didn't beat brawl in the best in the world um tournament for crown jewel but they were all happy go lucky when they did the whole firing the gms thing and now they're both heels so whatever i didn't mind that they didn't get along but i i don't like the execution of it in that it should be two shows competing against each other like they don't go head to head outside of Survivor Series, but it still should be two shows competing against each other. They should do like trades and stuff. They they should have more free agents and things like that. Like they should kind of give it that sports feel and they really just don't do any of that. It's more just two separate entities. Hey, if this person wants to show up on this show one night, cool. If it wants to show up on this show the next night, whatever. We're not too bothered by it. Like the whole NXT call-up thing of, oh, all these guys are going to be evaluated, and then they're going to figure out which brand they fit best on. And it's like, that happened for four or five months, and like, how long do you need to take to evaluate these guys who are barely on television and then they just get put on a brand anyway there's no real having no general manager and having commissioner figures who really aren't around like there's no reason for these people to be on these brand outside of we want to put this person on this brand uh so i think they've dropped the ball just all together as a whole brand split concept and as far as the draft slash shakeup goes again i think if they use the term draft like something like that would be cool now that it's just a shakeup i'm fine with just these people are randomly appearing on this show i did like the whole graphics thing where it would you know randomize and then pop up on the screen like oh shit this person is here now it's just whatever music hits is is who's coming out it's it's whatever they they shake up the rosters for the sake of shaking up the rosters it'd be nice if we had some sort of explanation on why this guy is you know what the theory or the concept is behind this shakeup like why is this guy chosen is is a name pulled out of a hat is it a lottery ball system like how is this guy chosen to be on this brand uh, you know, Vince McMahon had insight. He said the biggest acquisition in SmackDown history. He knew that somebody big was coming. So how how are these guys picked to be on this brand outside of simply we just need to move guys around, which is really the, the whole concept anyway. Yeah, and that, that's unfortunate because, I mean, I don't need like, you know, giant mathematical formulas and shit to explain it. I just... I want something to make me care about it. 
I want a little bit of background, a little bit of something, a little insight onto why Wrestler A is going to Brand A. Just, you know, give me something. And, you know, I, again, I always talk about this because people always think it's complaining. It's not complaining. It's a, I love wrestling. I love when I can be invested in wrestling, whether it be through a great match or a great story. And like you said, now it's just the shakeup is moving people to move people. There's no real story behind it. And we're shuffling the deck. And that's it. It's kind of like 52 card pickup. We're throwing all the cards on the floor and then you get half and you get half kind of, and that's going to be it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it works now. So, uh, so we started off with Monday night raw and, the first big move the Monday Night Raw was The Miz. Your thoughts? It's fine. I heard Alvarez speculate that they did this to have an extra day to promote Miz and Mrs. I, I don't know how much truth there is to that. Like These ratings for these reality shows are always going to fall off. If this was their reasoning of... We need to get Miz on Raw to have these extra 24 hours to promote Miz and Mrs. It's a, it's a dumb reason, to be honest. Um, but Miz on Raw is... I, I don't know what that means for his feud with Shane McMahon. It didn't look like that was over and it did, after WrestleMania. And it didn't look like it was over after Raw. And, but now he's on Raw and Shane is the SmackDown commissioner. So maybe it is over. I don't know. Miz as a babyface, I'm still need to see a little bit more from. Not not in that I think it's a bad choice, and that we just need to see kind of how it plays out, where he goes, who he feuds with next. Like Shane McMahon is a fairly simple feud, all things considered, and now he's going to be on Raw. Let's see who he ends up going against next, and what he can actually do as a babyface. Yeah, um, I think in terms of why he was moved, I don't think it's to give an extra day to promote. I think it's just more of a preemptive move to make sure he's on the USA Network show because, you know, they've signed, they have have their seasons locked in right now. And if you move him now, he's entrenched on USA, and then you don't have to worry about moving him later when SmackDown moves to Fox. So I think it's basically more about, I mean, I guess in theory you could say it's about trying to help the rating, but I think it's just more about the synergy WWE has built between themselves and NBC Universal over the past several years. So um, yeah, I yeah that makes yeah, a I, lot more sense than just we want an extra day to promote this guy. Yeah, I mean because if you're if you're the USA Network, I mean he's your guy right now, you know, because you gave him a show. And, you know, you just, you don't want them going to another network. And, you know, and I'm sure Fox isn't going to be like, hey, watch Miz and Mrs. on the other channel. Yeah, it just doesn't really work like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. And like you said, it's, um, I guess Miz moving is fine, but it just, it lacks sense to me right now for the fact that it seems like as of now, unless they do something or build to something a little later, that we're going to get no closure in the Shane feud. And then Miz looks like a total moron because he essentially beat himself at WrestleMania. And then he's going to get no comeuppance. And then Shane busted him open on Raw with his shitty punches. 
I, how dare you say Shane has shitty punches after he brutalized that man? Oh, I'm sorry. The the best pure striker in <laughs> WWE history, right? That's right. The fastest <laughs> hands in WWE history. Uh, and then uh, we kind of talked about this already, but uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black are locked in the Raw now. And, uh, you know, the one thing, uh, you know, the Raw tag division looks really good after the shakeup. I will say that. The Raw Tag Division looks strong, and they needed it because their women's division now sucks. Um, Ricochet and Alistair Black, it's cool that they're on Raw. I think they'll be better on Raw than on SmackDown just because they're more likely to get used on Raw. SmackDown is such a... It's a shorter show, obviously. It's an hour shorter. They really loaded it up with the with the uh, superstar shakeup, especially the women's division. Um, and it seems like they're really going going hard with this women's division on SmackDown, which which I'm all for. And so, like, I think this should have been the concept in the very beginning. Is you have one brand who you know, they focus more on the women's division. One brand, you focus more on the tag team division. Just because, one, I don't think they have enough good established tag teams to kind of split that over two brands. And two, like, they don't do enough with the tag team divisions or anyway. Uh, the women's division is, is in better shape, but I, I fear for how it's going to look on Raw now after these moves. Um, but as far as the Raw tag team division goes, it looks good on paper. I don't have any faith that they're going to do anything with it until I actually see them do something with it. And that's a fair point because it is. It's 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 hard to give like WWE benefit of the doubt sometimes because you look at a lot of stuff that should be really simple to book, and it just isn't for them for some reason. They have to overcomplicate it or. They just kind of missed the ball on it, and it's like it's right there in front of you. Just just do it. But uh, sticking with the tag team division, NXT's tag team champions, the War Raiders, were called up, and they are no longer the War Raiders. They are the Viking experience. Now, I get that everybody's general reaction was to shit on this name, and I understand it because it sounds like a fucking special attraction next to Pirates of the Caribbean. But that's not why it sucks. I'll tell you why the name change sucks. You sign War Machine as a tag team. You bring them in. And then you realize, okay, there's a piece of shit MMA fighter that almost killed a woman named War Machine. We want no association with that. And then they also want to avoid any trademark shit with Marvel over the War Machine name. So I understand you need to change the name to War Raiders. So you change them to War Raiders, you essentially keep the same look, you let them keep their names, and then you spend the last 12, 14, 15 months or whatever branding them as the War Raiders. That is part of what developmental should be for. Your branding acts so that you can give them a backstory so that when you bring them up, it's there already. But what I imagine happening is, because Vince doesn't really watch a lot of NXT apparently, and doesn't like follow it super closely, 
I imagine he saw Takeover New York and he looked at Triple H and said, God damn, Paul, look at those big bastards. Put them on Raw. Who are they? And he went, you know, Triple H goes, they're the War Raiders. War Raiders? The hell's a War Raider? What are the names? Hanson and Rowe? Hanson? Rowe? Looks like a couple of Vikings. I mean, those aren't fucking Viking names. And then him and Kevin Dunn put their heads together and decided the Viking experience. And that we had to rename them Evar and Eric. And it just, the reason I hate the name is because we totally just shit on all the branding we did last year. We took the time to rename them. We took the time to build them up, make them champions. And then you're just going to give them this name that nobody likes. And then you have like people like fucking like Rick Flores trying to defend him. Well, you know, people didn't really like Mankind at the beginning. People are going to shit on Mankind today. Twitter was around back then. It's like, well, no, because people realized it was you and they were willing to give you a chance. These are guys that a lot of main roster fans don't really know. And then you give them the fucking Universal Studios name, you know, you put them there hanging out with Johnny Hickenfire for a few years. It's like, what the fuck? So, anyway, I better also tell you. There are probably just read if you book But the name is shit for a number of reasons. Just not because it's sick. This is my complaint with it as well. In that, all right, fine. You want to call him the Viking Experience? Call him the Viking Experience. It's, it's not the greatest name in the world, but I mean, this is what Vince McMahon does. He he likes to hit you over the head with things. Uh, but they had built up the name the War Raiders. They're the NXT Tag Team Champions. They they'd gotten the, the war chant over and everything, and now, I mean, they not only, like, changed their full name, like, their tag team name, like, they gave them completely different names as singles competitors as well, and it's just, like, everything that they did in NXT now just feels like a waste because that's not them anymore. They're the Viking experience, so... It, that like that's the most upsetting part is that the whole NXT thing just it feels pointless because now they get called up to the main roster and they're just a completely different team like literally down to every single detail they are a different team um and, and I wrote I wrote this column a long time ago about the disconnect between like NXT and WWE and how they're real just two separate entities because Vince McMahon is going to do what he wants and, you know, guys are losing on the way out of NXT, which is fine. Like you should lose on the way out of your territory and everything. But then they're just just different people on the main roster. And it it's upsetting just to see that NXT is so great. It does so many things right. And then they just get called up to the main roster and they lose everything that is just special about them like even even something as simple as like alistair black's entrance like they no longer um 
you know, they no longer have like the smoke to hide the board that brings them up. And you hear like the crinks in the board now, like somebody WD-40 that shit. So we stop hearing just how rusty it is. You know, Ricochet's entrance now has bullets ricocheting off of it because you gotta, this guy is Ricochet, damn it. Um, just Nikki Cross is just a shell of what she was and what she could have been. There's just no, there's no rhyme or reason for, for these call-ups to happen when they do. And then they just kind of neuter a lot of what makes them special in NXT. Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head with the, um, we're talking about how Vince loves to hit you over the head with shit. Because it's like, they come out and like, you know, Michael Cole is they're doing the, you know, th- th- this is uh, the War Raiders from NXT. They're now the Viking experience. And he's like, these guys aren't just dressed as Vikings. They are Vikings. They live the Viking lifestyle. And I'm like, are you fucking Jesus Christ? Now, even if that's true, it's like, what? It sounds so fake and forced. I just, yeah, I, I don't fucking get it. But I hope, I mean, I'm happy for them because, you know, hopefully, you know, when you make the main roster, you obviously get a raise and everything. And they're good dudes. And I'm happy that they're finding success. But yeah, I just, I think, why would you just waste all the time you spent in NXT branding? You know, it just, it feels really pointless to me. I'm happy that they're getting a raise. I'm, I think Steve Cook tweeted it is that, you know, the War Raiders name is it going to sink them? Being a tag team on the main roster is going to sink them. Uh, for the most part, that's usually true. Yeah. So next up, we had Cedric Alexander moving away from 205 Live and. Cedric had a great run on 205 Live, and that opens up a spot for someone else to step up, and and now he joins Raw. Hey, cool. Cedric Alexander's great. Uh, he's done pretty much all he can do on 205 Live. There was really nothing left for him to accomplish on that brand. I don't have any hopes that they can do anything with these cruiserweights. I mean, they tried to do a whole cruiserweight division on Raw, and then they were like, eh, never mind, here's your own show at the end of SmackDown that no one's going to watch. Maybe Ali's kind of um, emergence on SmackDown gives them, you know, hey, maybe we can push these guys. Like, they got good stories, they're good in the ring, they can get over. That's about the only hope, but it it feels easier to get over on SmackDown when you have a guy like Daniel Bryan, who was the champion, pushing for you to get over. I don't know. I mean, maybe Seth Rollins will look at Cedric Alexander and be like, "Hey, I can have good matches with this guy. Let me, you know, let me work with him." I, I just don't know. You know, I, I don't have any faith that they can book these cruiserweights on these main shows. Yeah, I fear that too. But um, I mean, obviously Cedric has. I mean, there's there's like limitless potential with the dude. He's great, and it's just, yeah. What are they going to do with them, and how far are they going to go with them? So, uh, another new arrival with Andrade with Zelina Vega, which um, interesting on a couple fronts because you got Zelina who's married to Aleister Black, so they're on the same brand now, but uh, Andrade is dating Charlotte. And they got split up. 
So they are now on separate brands. It's they've clearly made an effort to put to keep the married couples together, which is good. Um, the dating couples, the same effort wasn't quite there, and I kind of get that. Like it's just dating; you don't know where these things are going to go, um, and you're not like they're not under any obligation. I mean, it's the right thing to do to keep married couples together, so they're not you know traveling, they're not on different schedules and stuff. But technically, they're not under any obligation to do that. So I'm not like, oh, they split up Charlotte and Andrade. Like, the they're dating. It's it's very new as well. They'll still have like Alexa Bliss and Buddy Murphy have been. I think they might even be engaged, and like they're on different brands. So I would imagine maybe once they get married, somebody gets moved there. And I, I'm not even so sh- certain that Charlotte doesn't get moved to Raw in the coming i mean maybe they they probably want her on smackdown when the fox deal comes because they're they're that high on her but raw's women's division is just dead right now they could use somebody like charlotte so i'm not too concerned that all right they split up a dating couple like as long as the married couples stay together then fine you know what if charlotte and andrade want to be on the same brand get married well apparently it was like a big conspiracy theory last night that's all I kept reading. They're they're trying to trying to sabotage and hurt their relationship. And like, yeah, I'm sure that was the first thing they thought of while the rating was down 26% from last year. And yeah, you know what we should do tonight? Let's fuck with Charlotte and Andrade and put them on different shows. That no, was that was the conspiracy theory uh, when it was page and del rio like they moved them to separate brands and because they actually like that was actually a toxic relationship as we kind of knew from the start and then more details came out and we found out it was an extremely toxic relationship like by all measures charlotte and andrade have a good relationship it seems like a healthy relationship uh again i don't think they were that concerned over dating couples as they were of, of married couples because Again, Alexa Bliss and Buddy Murphy have been on different brands for like years now, and like they had a chance to move Buddy Murphy to Raw, but they kept them on SmackDown. Um, I'm trying to think who else is is dating. Like they they put um, Roe with with Sarah Logan. They're both on Raw, so so that's a good sign, I guess. I don't know where Nikki Cross is going, and I'm not even sure where Killian Dane is going either. But but I guess technically they're both on SmackDown, so that's a good sign. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is just dating but are on separate brands, and I'm not up to date on WWE relationships, so I apologize for that. I don't know what brand Kathy Kelly's on. She's dating Finn Balor, I believe, and Balor's now on SmackDown. Uh, but I, it's clear that they wanted to keep married couples together, just dating couples they didn't seem to be as concerned about, which, who cares? Yeah, I just found it funny that apparently it was there was the big conspiracy theory last night. And I was like, I was like, listen, this company does a lot of stupid and petty shit, but I, I'm sure that was not high on their fucking agenda yesterday. It's like, come on now. I was like, but yeah. And, it's just, 
And if Charlotte was really that upset about it, or then she could have gone there and been like, hey, I think, you know, I should move brands or he should stay on this brand. Charlotte has that kind of cachet with the company to where they would be like, all right, yeah, we kind of want to move them, but at the end of the day, he's probably just going to get lost on the shuffle anyway. So we may yeah. as well keep him on this brand to keep Charlotte happy because she's our big star and we'd rather her be happy than anything. Yeah, Andrade is so good. I just, I wish he had something resembling a direction in this company. It'd be nice. He he really is good. Zelina Vega is really good as well. Like, they're a great pairing, and they should, I mean, he beat the Intercontinental Champion on his first night. You would think that would mean something, but now Balor's on SmackDown, so you're probably not even getting a rematch out of that um it's just like uh why you know why are you teasing that this guy is going to get an intercontinental title shot and then you're moving the guy he beats and so now he might not get anything i i don't have any hope that they can do anything that this is the theme of this show is just having no hope that any of these moves matter and they'll actually uh, make something out of these moves yeah and that's you know it's like i hate to feel that way but it's you know it, there's there's so much history with their booking slash lack of booking and it's yeah it's hard to give them blind faith ray mysterio moved over to raw they made him made sure he was just another dude night one had lars kill him i'm Ray's fine with that. Is, well, yeah, but it's like Ray's whole return has just been so weird. Ray's return boils down to just having great matches with Andrade. Like the thing with Ray is, we all love him. He can still go in the ring. They try to treat him as, oh, he's the greatest mask of all time, the, one of the greatest luchadors of all time, and all this stuff. But they've never booked him as such like even you know when when he won the world title it was like oh it's a, it's a whole eddie thing like he's never been he's always been super popular he's always been super good he can get over with just about anything and with anyone but he's never been treated as this guy actually matters he's just been Here's a really good wrestler. We're going to tell you all of his history and tell you why he's legendary, but we're not actually going to treat him in that matter. And it's been the same thing since he's he's returned. It's like, oh, the, we're telling you why this guy is great, but we're not actually showing you as far as how we book him, why he's great. Like he's having great matches. Everyone can see that in the ring he can still go. Uh, no one can... Like, if you just look at him from a booking perspective, you're like, okay, he's he's a guy. And, like, if they want to use him to get Lars Sullivan over, then, unfortunately, I've, I've given up on them treating Rey Mysterio as anything other than just, just another guy out there that they're going to trot out and say is legendary. And so if they're going to use them to get Lars over, that that's fine by me. You gotta you gotta build up some new guys, and they're hot on Lars for the time being. So use Ray to to get him over. And 
you know, Lars is a, like Ray. I guess Lars is on SmackDown now, so it's once again, it's a moot thing. Uh, but like Lars and Ray would probably be a, a good feud for Lars. You know, we can Ray will make him look good by bumping his ass off, and you know, it's easy to look good when you're that big killing someone that small. But they're not even going to do that. Yeah. Again, it's just like again, there's no. No explanation as to why we're doing moves. And again, I think that that just hurts the overall thing, the overall theme behind it, because it's really hard to become invested. And so, yeah, Ray's just, he's kind of a dude, which is a shame because, you know, you're not going to have Ray for that much longer. We're lucky he's had this renaissance and that he's uh, gotten healthy enough to do what he does. And the thing is, is like with Ray is like Ray has a name, Ray has a fan base. And I think if you book it right, you know, Ray, Ray should be an, an upper mid Carter with that, that, that you could pull the switch anytime. If you need a main event guy, he, he should be a believable world title challenger at any time. But for whatever reason, I get, I, I, I think that it's a, uh, Another example of the company just being petty with people is the fact that, you know, how he left and everything last time. And I think that they're just uh, getting their revenge. Probably. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past that, that this company is petty. <laughs> it's been proven plenty of times. That's right. The Usos made the jump to Monday Night Raw. And uh, I think that was a, a good move because they've been on SmackDown seemingly forever and the change of venue will be good. And now you have, you have the Usos ricochet and black, the Viking experience, the revival, your tag team division is looking really good right now on raw. Yeah. We, we talked about how the tag team division is, is shaping out on raw and the addition of the Usos who, I mean, for my money, they're the best team in WWE right now. They're one of the the best teams in all of wrestling right now. Their promo ability has come so far. Like their matches always deliver. You you just ran down the teams, and it's like wow. These a lot of these guys can have so many good matches, and like they're not going to do anything with Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. But you could even like throw them in there just. All of these teams can just go out there and you give them 15 minutes and they're just going to have these banger matches. And I just don't have any faith that any of that is going to happen. It would it would be nice if it did, but I, I don't have a whole lot of, of faith in it. Um, as far as the Usos go, it, it's good that they're on Raw. They definitely needed a change from SmackDown. I did feel bad for them in that... You know, you you read all these reactions for the superstar shakeup, and you you see, you know, like Kofi Kingston didn't want the Usos moving because he talked about his, his friendship with them. Like Xavier Woods was not pleased that the the Usos were moving. Like all these guys in SmackDown have a, seem to have a, a tight bond with um, the camaraderie in the locker room with especially with the the up up down down guys and then you know the usos get moved to raw it was it was a necessary move i i felt bad for 
the SmackDown guys who clearly the Usos are, are well-liked in the locker room and they seem to get along with a lot of people. Like Daniel Bryan has talked about them. Uh, the Hardys have talked about them. And now they're on Raw. And so they just got moved away from these guys. Yeah, and according to, uh, I think it was on uh, Observer Radio this morning, apparently Woods was like, like he's not going to quit or anything, but Woods was like legit pissed at, like he said on SmackDown, that 80% of his up, up, down, down crew got drafted to Raw. He was like, just like, what the fuck? I thought, I thought it was great because he tweeted this um, like during Raw even, his his reactions and he went once the Usos got drafted and he's like, they took the Usos from me. Like they're, they're taking these guys um, from, and the Miz, like, it, cause the Miz is a, a regular on the show as well. It's like, they took the Usos and the Miz. Like they're just taking the whole up, up, down, down roster. And then at the end, Styles gets drafted cause he's a regular and Woods is just shaking his head in a video and I was like, this is amazing. And then they actually let him go out there on SmackDown and vent about they took 80% of my roster. I'm trying to build a brand. If I don't get Tyler Breeze, I'm going to be pissed. I was like, I'm so happy they let this guy actually vent about this on SmackDown. And then they still didn't give him Tyler Breeze, which, come on, guys. Like, you're not doing shit with Tyler Breeze. Throw throw that bone to uh, Xavier and the up, up, down, down brand. Yeah, I, I cracked up when he said that. I was like, you know, I was like, that's funny. But it was like, but what the best part about it was that, like, he and like he was to a point. I mean, he came across because it, it sounds so silly, but he came across so serious about it. He's like, what? Like, like you said, I'm trying to build my brand and they, they took all my people. And so he's just, he's kind of like left screwed right now. But uh, yeah, that was, that was funny. But, uh, and with the Usos moving, uh, they also shifted Naomi to Raw. Yeah, the Raw side needed some women's wrestlers, and I mean, it got crippled more on SmackDown. But Naomi is another person who it seemed like she'd kind of done everything on SmackDown. I don't know who she was going to feud with. And it, it was a move that they obviously wanted to move the Usos to raw because they they were the bigger priority and then they wanted to keep the married couple together so naomi gets moved to raw as well it'll now that there's the raw women's division looks rather thin like naomi might be able to to stand out a little bit yeah because um yeah i agree she needed to move from smackdown and uh it'll be interesting to see who is gonna who is gonna start picking up some momentum now because Obviously, Lacey Evans, who is officially on Raw, is getting a title shot. And then you have somebody like Ruby Riot, who is really talented, really talented, excuse me, but um, there was no way she was getting any kind of chance when Ronda was around. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. As you said, it's a little thin right now, and we'll see, see who steps up and who becomes the new favorite. Um. Sanity is dead. Eric Young was drafted to Raw. Killian Dane is staying on SmackDown. As of right now, Nikki Cross has no brand. And Alexander Wolf is either leaving the company, is getting released, or is being shifted to one of the NXT brands. I don't know what's going on with Alexander Wolf. 
Um, that that tweet he sent was certainly eye-catching, and a lot of people took it as he was leaving the company. I didn't take it as that. I took it as he was just saying goodbye to Sanity. And then he used the hashtag WWE because they've been taught to hashtag everything. Um, but the way it was worded and the, the way it was... Um, stylized it did make it seem like oh he's leaving WWE but I, I didn't jump the gun on that and then yeah it was reported that well maybe he could go to NXT I mean maybe he could who knows I thought we would see I I really thought we would see more with kind of NXT maybe not call us but like NXT UK guys getting moved and maybe tonight on NXT, like they've already taped the the shows, but maybe tonight they're like, oh, by the way, like this superstar is getting drafted to NXT. I, I don't know if they, they're going to do that in post or not, but it'd be nice if NXT was more part of the, and even NXT UK was more part of this whole superstar shakeup. Sanity being split is, I mean, who could possibly care? Like the just, they didn't do anything on the main roster you forgot about them the pretty much the week after they debuted and it it was just a dead act it was another act where it's like they were really hot in nxt they had something going their their gimmick was well established well defined everyone worked well together and then they got called up to the main roster and they had no clue what to do with these guys yeah to me it's just a complete disappointment because they didn't even get a chance. They got brought up. They didn't do shit with them. They hung out in catering all the time and just ne- like almost never made TV. I wrote in my raw report and I'm dead serious. I think Eric Young's best shot at this point is for somebody to grab a laptop, load up the global wrestling network and show Vince McMahon all of Eric Young's comedy work. Because Vince loves that shit. And if he likes what Eric does, that dude will stick around till he's like 50 like R-Truth. Keeping work, you know? But, I mean, just just him on his own and, like, the weird, crazy Eric Young sanity character, I don't... I just don't see much happening. He's a, he's a dude. He'll be, he'll be doing jobs like No Way Jose, but at least he's a good wrestler and they won't be bad matches. That that's fine. It's better than whatever they're gonna do with him, which is going to be absolutely nothing. I maybe you put him with authors of pain on, like, but even they had a rivalry with NXT. Like, it wouldn't actually make much sense. But if you want to stick with kind of this Eric Young cult leader kind of thing, Drake Maverick doesn't make much sense with authors of pain, especially as the two hundred five live general manager. Eric Young can be a mouthpiece for them. He could even work six mans with them. And it makes as much sense as anything else they're doing. They're not going to do it, but it's an idea for him to just do something and get on television. I've heard worse ideas, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Lacey Evans officially on Raw and will be challenging Becky Lynch for the Raw women's title. Yeah, sure. They're they're reportedly high on Lacey Evans, even though 
she nearly killed Natalia with that moonsault on Monday. Uh, we talked about it last time. Like Evans is a fine holdover for what they for for Becky Lynch right now as they try to heat other people up because they haven't completely buried Lacey Evans. Um, the, her gimmick is is what it is. I, they I don't think they've even like talked enough about her background and why she's like this. Like that she is kind of like a military uh, lady and that she just. You know, she. I don't think they've talked enough about her background and her upbringing. It's God just damn more it, of... Jeremy. She is <laughs> the sassy Southern Belle. That's all you fucking need to know. I I guess so. Um, it'd be nice if they if they did a little bit more explaining on why she is sort of like this. Instead, it's just. Eh, she comes out, she doesn't like the nasties, and and that's that. So uh, it is, like, if you listen to her interview with Lillian Garcia, like, you can really hear her, like, she's very emotional, and, and her backstory is so good, and it's like, oh, wow. And maybe it turns her into much of a baby face, but, I mean, she can play it for, for heel heat. It's like, wow, this person is incredible. And they they just don't do any of that. It's just, eh. She's out here. She comes out. She leaves. She, she she's the sassy Southern Belle, and that's it. That's right. EC three was drafted off of main event to Raw, <laughs> and then drafted to death after Braun fucking wrecked him. I liked your comment. EC three was drafted to the graveyard. Like, yeah, the this poor guy, another guy who. He didn't even do too much in NXT. He wasn't there long enough, but he clearly could have gotten over big. And then he's just on Raw and does absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's uh, that poor guy. He had a bunch of matches on main event with Tyler Breeze and Apollo Crews. I'm like the only motherfucker that watches that show. <laughs> you are the only person who watches main event. I can confirm that. So yeah, it's a, that that I feel bad for that motherfucker though. It's like listen, it's a, he is not the greatest in-ring wrestler, but the dude has a great look and he can talk. They've pushed a lot of people with a lot less like Jinder Mahal. And for some reason, and again, I think this goes to pettiness of the company, you know, the Impact and DNA was never competition. But he went there and he became a star there after they failed with him. And now he's back and they're like, yeah, we'll fucking show you, buddy. And they just hooked him into the ground. Day one, man. He was a mute to start with. <laughs> like they took away this guy's best asset by just not having him talk. Yeah. Total shame. And the main event, AJ Styles jumped from SmackDown. Uh, I think the AJ move is a good move because we've mentioned it before with other people. Felt like AJ did everything he could on the brand. Did a lot for the show. And, uh, you know, we'll open it up to some different matches and everything. And, um, yeah, it's, I think the AJ move to Raw is smart. AJ was was pretty much done 
what he needed to do on SmackDown. It felt like he feuded with everybody. He held the title for a long time. He wasn't going to get back into the title picture. It didn't seem like so. Moving to Raw, fresh matches. Like, just give give some bangers with Seth Rollins. Not that they'll feud off of the jump, but there's some, there's some good matches for him. He'll be... AJ's one of those guys who will pretty much be fine with anything that is given because he he gets the majority of his stuff over the crowd still reacts highly to him he's always going to have a, a very good match and they're they're clearly they clearly treat this guy as a star like he's been there for four years he's been in a lot of high profile matches he's been given lengthy WWE title run like they they like this guy they're gonna treat him as a star so on raw i mean now that roman reigns is is off of raw aj and it's kind of the aj and seth show it feels like so just let them tear the house down not against each other at least not yet but like let them tear the house down in separate matches throughout the night yeah and then apparently um not announced on raw but apparently according to big dave melter Samoa Joe will be moving to Raw. Uh, he wasn't on Raw because he was sick this week, and they are pushing his announcement back probably to next week. But that'll solve the problem of getting a secondary title back on Raw after Balor was moved to SmackDown. So Joe to Raw with the rumor being that he will be feuding with Braun Strowman. The the Strowman thing we've talked about, just he's cold. I, he doesn't need a title, but he definitely needs something. I'm worried Joe is just going to absolutely truck him on the mic. I don't think Strowman is a good promo. Um, he like his cadence is just the the whole monster yelling and just his voice and cadence. It's just not good like he's just not that good of a promo like braun is at his best when he says three words and then he just kills guys or tosses over things and it just looks like a monster uh he's not good when he has to cut like the whole michael che colin joe stuff was just all of that was was cringeworthy um it's just not good when it comes to cutting even semi-lengthy promos. And we know Samoa Joe can just completely eviscerate guys on the mic. So I worry about that with Braun. Joe will get everything over. Braun will, I mean, if he tosses Joe around, like that makes him look good. It feels like a feud that Braun has to win because I don't know. Like if you if you lose a Samoa Joe, it establishes Samoa Joe even more, but it almost kills Braun, especially the, the last year he's had. Uh, but I don't think Braun like needs the title or anything. It, it feels like a feud that, where they've almost booked themselves into a corner with with how they're going to end up booking it. Yeah, and um, I agree with you. Joe will fucking destroy him on the mic. So we will move on to SmackDown and the roster moves to SmackDown. First up was Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor. Had a tremendously fun match with Ali on SmackDown. And uh, so Finn Balor and the IC title to SmackDown. If Joe's moving to Raw, then obviously SmackDown needed a secondary title. So Balor being there is fine. Uh, he'll have good matches. I mean, 
he's the champion so theoretically he should get on television but even like joe struggled to get on television like nakamura was never on television um when when he was the champion so he should be on tv balor is a guy he's another guy who just hasn't been given a whole lot to work with but he remains over because he's charismatic and he's a, he's a good worker um so we'll we'll see it's it's a fine move he wasn't raw was fine but he wasn't really doing anything smackdown it feels like there's going to be a little bit more opportunity for him there I'm just glad he got away from Baron Corbin and Lashley. <laughs> I, I saw way too much of that shit. So yeah, I'm a. But uh, yeah, Balor moving to SmackDown. There's some definitely want to see like him and Buddy Murphy. Uh, I'd like to see him and Ollie again. But yeah, there's a lot of there's some good stuff for him on that brand. And like I said, Finn is just really good. Fans love him. And um, yeah, there's no reason that well. Outside of just shit booking, there's no reason he shouldn't succeed on the brand. So hopefully everything works out. But yeah, I like the move. Uh, changes things up a little bit. Some fresh opponents. Uh, next up, Ember Moon moved to SmackDown. I was, uh, you know, when when that happened, I was slightly disappointed. I was hoping she'd get a a shot on Raw because they like she's like Ruby Ryan. The fact that while Ronda was around, she was never going to get any real run. But maybe that opportunity will come on SmackDown now. Here's my thing with Ember Moon. I don't get Ember Moon. Not not to say that she's not a good wrestler. Not to say that she doesn't have a good look or anything like that. I just don't understand what her character is. Like I thought her promo was kind of cringe. On Tuesday, the whole oh the Sheenom is here. Like, the fuck are you called the Sheenom? Like, I I never got it really in NXT either. So this isn't a thing of W the main roster has has ruined her. I just I never quite understood what Ember Moon is all about, and maybe that's a just a disconnect with me and other people get it, but the 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 whole package is just never connected with me. So I can't say I'm like, oh, I'm really excited for Ember Moon. I think she's a good wrestler. I like I don't mind her or anything. I just don't have a reason to care about her on that level. So she'll probably do well on SmackDown because as we talked about, the the SmackDown women's roster is is looking really good right now and in ember moon i mean maybe that means she gets lost in the shuffle but she can potentially break out of the pack if given a chance but i i i'm not someone who is super high on ember moon and i really never have been uh she's the sheen on jeremy okay uh, <laughs> tell me what pretty... that means what is the sheen on uh, i think it's pretty self-explanatory they they only say it like ten times when she's out there. Is, is she she is the, <laughs> like the Finn Balor, the extraordinary man who can do extraordinary things or what? That, that's all these nicknames are so stupid. Like uh, the Sheenom, dumb as shit. It's like a female phenom, okay? It's sure again self-explanatory. Hello. <laughs> 
No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I've seen a lot of people actually say similar things. And yeah, I mean, th- there was times where she's like mentioned in promos in the past, that, like, like the war goddess thing. And I think that would probably play better. Yeah, because it comes on like they see it like, oh, it's Ember Moon, the Sheen on. And it's just like, yeah, it feels very cringeworthy one. But then, like you said, it's like, what the fuck is the Sheen on? Nobody's ever told us. You know, it's like, give us, again, give us something, help us understand, give us a reason to care and invest in her. And so, yeah, you're not the only one, so don't feel bad. It's, um, I've heard it a lot, actually. So, uh, sticking with the women, Bailey is now officially on SmackDown. Made sure to point out in her promo that she's a solo act now because somebody went home. And uh, we will talk about that later, but Bailey to SmackDown uh, didn't feel like a good start on SmackDown. I thought the, uh, the promo stuff was rough, and uh, yeah. Bailey, I mean, she got booed on SmackDown, which isn't the best of looks. You know, she's a singles competitor now. We'll we'll see where that goes. Bailey is someone who that's another person who just got completely neutered on the main roster. And it's like, okay, you know, they, they completely lost the plot with her character once she once she got called up and she she's never like she's never recovered, never gained traction or anything. And now she's frustrated alongside Sasha, so we will we will see what happens. I still like Bailey. I still think she can manage to be something, but getting booed wasn't a the best of look for her. Like her reactions have clearly just been significantly decreased from the time she was called up to now. Like it's it's night and day. She barely gets a reaction nowadays. And it just I don't know. Bailey is just someone who if she's given up to the point where it looks like she's given up, I can't even say I blame her because it's just nothing has connected with the the main roster. But I, I would hope that she can push through it and try to make something of it. Yeah. Um, the thing with Bailey, I keep hearing a lot of people say is that the, there's a defense out there that it's not WWE's fault and that, Bailey failed because Bailey was only good enough to be a small room act. She was dancing Homer going to Capital City and failing. And I don't think that's the case. I'm sorry. I don't think you get that over in NXT and have that number of great matches. And then all of a sudden you're shit. Like I understand a lot of people are upset at Sasha right now. And people don't like that she went home and that she was upset about losing the titles. And all of a sudden, it's like, the way people talk about her, you would think she's the worst woman on the roster in terms of talent. Because all I'm hearing now is, you know, she was never that good. She only botches. She's never had a great match. And again, I must have been imagining, like, you know, the entire feud with Bailey and other things in NXT, I saw. But it's just, uh, it's it's uh, it's funny how things turn. And how, uh, as Daniel Bryan would say, how fickle the fan base can be. 
But um, yeah, I think I, I think the main roster just the whole presentation, like I said, kind of neutered, just just let her die, and it never felt like it never felt like they tried to give her a chance to get that character really rolling. And that character had a ton of potential in terms of being like that top babyface woman. You know, she should have been what the little girls want to be. She should have been doing tons of make wishes. And just it was it's Bailey. Fucking Michael Cole when she comes in. It's <laughs> Bailey. And like that's that's the character explanation. She's Bailey. And yeah, again, never given a reason to care, and it's uh, very disappointing. And yeah, you have to kind of wonder, like, for as much as she's talked over the years about how much she loves wrestling, excuse me, wrestling, um, is she starting to lose that now? Because she's kind of looking. I'm not going to say she's not trying, because she is, but she looks a little defeated, a little dead behind the eyes out there, especially last night when she got. Kind of a lack of reaction coming out, and then she got booed during the parade. She she definitely looks defeated again. It, Sasha is throwing like an actual public fit by not showing up, and with all these sub tweets and and all this other stuff. Bailey is it, but Bailey is reportedly just as frustrated with how things have gone. Bailey is just taking a more professional approach by still showing up for work and trying to work through it. But you can see it in her eyes and see it in her face that she just, it looks like she would rather take the Sasha approach. She just, this is just kind of who Sasha is seemingly is and who she's been like, she's Sasha has never hid the fact that when she loses, she gets that pouty face uh going. Oh, Sasha so, Boo Boo face. Yeah, she she's never been able to to hide that very well. And so the fact that she would kind of just go home and take time and uh, be away from everything is more understandable than than someone like Bailey who seems to just I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna try to work through it. Like she had the a tweet that was very revival-esque on her tweet of like, you know, I'm here to to make a change, to to try to better everything, to work, to push through everything. And it's like, okay, like I see you, Bailey. You're you're trying out there. I don't know how much it's gonna mean, but you're trying out there. And you know what? The, it's better to be there and to try than to go home and pout because that's probably not going to change as much. Like there's a lot of unhappy people in WWE, it would seem like, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, but you're, you're not doing yourself too many favors. If you just go home and you're just like, I'm, I'm done with it. Like, I'm not saying you should just take what they give you and be happy with it. But at the same time, just, try to handle it a little bit more like a professional. Like Naomi is a, is a, is a good example of that. And, and I think Bailey is a good example of that. Becky Lynch was never really happy with her spot and she just worked in and got herself over and stuff. Like you can tweet your frustrations and even, even the, the revival, like they, they were frustrated. They reportedly asked for their release, but they never just went home and said, I'm done. Like they, 
kept trying to be there, kept trying to pitch stuff, kept trying to make changes. And I'm not saying it's fully worked out for them, but hey, at least they're getting good matches and they're kind of getting what they want on the live events with these long tag team matches and everything. And now the Raw tag team division is looking good. And if they put some effort into it, like the Revival could be a focal point of that. Just going home and sitting at home doesn't really bring about that change. Yeah. Um, speaking of more changes, we got Kyrie Zane called up from NXT, which had been rumored and made sense, uh, especially after tonight's episode of NXT. It'll make more sense to a lot of people. And she has been paired with Asuka as a tag team. And I am here all day long and twice on Sunday for that. I like it. I like, I mean, Kyrie Zane's awesome. Asuka's awesome. It feels, it feels a little forced. Like, you know, why, why is Paige associating herself with these two other than it can be great? Like she's, she's clearly just being used as a, as a mouthpiece, which is fine. Like Asuka, they reportedly, because she doesn't speak a whole lot of English, that they, they're not a fan of her cutting like these kind of promos, even though like her broken English is good and it, it gets over it gets reactions and Kyrie can like she's got a good gimmick that can get over like Paige is a mouthpiece on the main roster can can work fine uh it, it still feels a little like let's put these two women together because this is just what we're gonna do with them and instead of a more natural kind of thing but I'm excited for for the possibility of this tag team well, first of all, thankfully they didn't call him like the Asian experience. Yeah. So we have that going for him. Um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense because Paige needed something to do. She wants to be involved. She wants to be on the road. And she can talk. So using her as a mouthpiece, like you said, good move. And um, bringing up Kyrie and pairing her with Asuka is, uh, is also more than just a main roster team. I think it's also a way to acclimate Kyrie to the main roster lifestyle and style in the ring because now she can travel with Oscar she can learn everything she needs to learn because as, as, as an adjustment you know because in NXT you don't have to take care of all your travel and all that shit so moving up and everything and being paired with Oscar who she knows that makes a lot of sense and uh the sooner they beat the fucking iconics the better how dare you? The Iconics are horrible, Jeremy. The Iconics are the best tag team in women's wrestling history, and I will not hear anyone say otherwise. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> the Iconics fucking suck. This conversation is over. You are not Iconic. Well, I'd rather not be if it means I fucking sucked as bad as they do. Jesus. No offense, man, but it's like, like the thing of like Billy Kay, and I don't know how how to put this in a nice way, but I wish I could pinpoint the point where she went from a good wrestler with a lot of potential to looking like a mentally challenged giraffe in the ring. <laughs> I just. I swear to God, there has to be some kind of compilation out there with her falling all over herself. 
it's it's not good. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't. I just can't do it. They're they're sweet girls. They're pretty and everything, but they're just not good professional wrestlers at all. I yeah. hope the Iconics hold the titles until WrestleMania 40. Hope you rot in hell for that. <laughs> so Lars Sullivan, who was technically drafted to Raw and was on the webpage, showed up on SmackDown, killed our truth, and we were informed that he's now drafted to SmackDown. Which um, I figured either he or Braun would move because I figured they'd want to keep them apart for a while because that seems like one of those things that you know how they love to do the big man spot in the rumble where like the two big hosses clear out a bunch of bodies and then they do the big face off and that kind of feels like something they'd like to build to and then maybe a match later but you really can't have them on the same brand right now so um Lars the smackdown and fine makes sense I didn't get the why people were upset over, oh, they said he was on Raw, now he's on SmackDown. Like, they're clearly confused and they don't know what they're doing. Like, that's probably true. I took it as, it's a shakeup. Like, why couldn't this guy, like, he didn't have a brand. Why couldn't he be on Raw and then the next night be moved to SmackDown? Like, again, because they don't have a rhyme or reason to to why they do this stuff. But let's say in theory, it is a lottery type system. Like why couldn't his name be pulled out for raw? And then, you know, everyone on the raw roster would be available to be moved to SmackDown because again, they don't have set rules of saying, Hey, you can only be drafted once during the shakeup. Why couldn't his name then been pulled for SmackDown? So Yes, they probably were just we don't know which brand we're putting this guy on, so we're just going to have him appear on both shows and then go from there. But I I think logically you can talk yourself into why he was on Raw and then said to be on Raw and then on SmackDown and, and now on SmackDown. Now, if he shows up on Raw this coming Monday, then they don't have a fucking clue what they're doing. But I think you can make sense of it if you really want to try to make sense of it. And I understand if... At this point, you don't want to try to make sense of it. Lars on SmackDown would be fine. They're they're clearly high on this guy. He's he's killing all the Attitude Era guys. Uh, Lars hates the '90s um, and the early 2000s. I can't say I blame him there. Yeah, I had no problem <laughs> with the, him showing up on Raw and then SmackDown because, I mean, Christ, years ago they did the gimmick where John Cena got drafted to SmackDown, then back to Raw on the same night. Yeah, so, so I, like, I don't think it was that big of a deal. No, I, I, I didn't care. It just, like you said, it felt like they put him on Raw and then they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have said that he was on Raw because we were going to put him on SmackDown. It was probably just a dumb mistake. And it's like, yeah, I just, I didn't think too much of it. There's, there's bigger fish to fry when you're going to look for inconsistencies and complaints. So, yeah, I just, I didn't really care. Buddy Murphy finally, uh, He's finished up with 205 Live, doesn't have to cut weight anymore, and is moving to SmackDown. We'll see. I liked Buddy Murphy on 205 Live. He really, like, he made the most of that change. He was a guy who pushed to be on that brand. He said he could, you know, cut the weight, and who knows if he actually weighed 205, but I guess they did the whole weigh-in gimmick. After that, they kind of dropped it. He made the most of that opportunity. He had a nice run with the title. You know, his title runs over, so he doesn't have much to do. Um, 
it's again, I just don't know how much how much they're gonna give these cruiserweights on on these main shows. But hey, put Buddy Murphy in there with Finn Balor. Oh, put yeah. him in there. Put him in there with with Ali. I mean, should just give him a match against Xavier, Kofi, like any of these guys. Like Daniel Buddy Bryan. Murphy could go. Yeah, Brian, like Buddy Murphy could go. So uh hopefully they give him some some time and, and let him let him actually show up and be on television. Cause that's the toughest part of WWE right now is just getting these guys on television. Yeah, I fucking I love Buddy Murphy. Dude is awesome. And um, yeah, he's he's a great story because he was a dude that you know he he couldn't find NXT TV with his network subscription for Christ's sake. That dude was just toiling down there, working the coconut loop, couldn't get on TV. Started getting into shape, made the pitch to get the two hundred five live, got the chance, made the absolute most of it, and has become a really really great worker. Uh, just fucking delivering banger after banger last year and into this year. And, um, yeah, I just, I hope, I, I wish nothing but the best for him. And, like, you cautiously optimistic, hopefully he gets on TV. But there's a, a lot of really good matches for him to have because, like I said, Finn Balor, Daniel Bryan, we visit the feud with Ali. Just there's a lot of stuff. So, yeah, Buddy Murphy, all in on that, good stuff. Uh, they closed out the show teasing the biggest acquisition in WWE SmackDown history, which was Vince McMahon fucking with everybody, going insane, and announcing Elias. I thought it was going to be Jinder Mahal at first. Oh, God, that's not even funny, man. That's probably <laughs> But uh, they brought out Elias, and Elias was... Uh, he was brutally honest with Vince, said he didn't always agree with him, but was moved by Vince's words, calling him the future of the company. And uh, he was all happy and was going to perform. And then the big dog arrived. The real biggest acquisition. He kicked Elias's ass. Superman punched Vince and declared that, well, you know, he didn't say it, but AJ Styles may have built the house, but it's now Roman Jarred. And uh, so Roman makes the big move to SmackDown. And uh, it makes sense. You need to, you know, AJ went to Raw. You need to move another big name back to SmackDown. And uh, we will see what uh, what SmackDown has in store for the big dog in the future. It, it's a move that, I mean, with their, them moving to Fox, they want, you know, they want stars on that show. And, Roman Reigns is their their biggest star. It's it's him and Becky, and then everybody else is kind of just fighting for for third place. Um, now Becky's kind of on both shows, and Reigns is on SmackDown. So it's it's a move with some foresight that they they want Roman Reigns on SmackDown for the Fox move. Reigns is always going to be fine because he's Roman Reigns. So. I don't have any doubt of what he'll do on SmackDown. It's it'll be nice to see him on SmackDown, get him away from Raw. Um, he he'd done a lot on that brand. There wasn't a whole lot he could do. Like they've they've done the whole Shield reunion thing to death. To where, all right, what else could you possibly do out of this Shield thing? He'd beaten McIntyre. 
he like a Lashley feud, a Corbin feud. Like these are your top heels on Raw right now. Like none of those really inspire a whole lot of anything. Uh, you you go to SmackDown, they don't have too many great top heels. Um, seems like everybody's a, a baby face on that show right now, but. It'll be something different for Roman Reigns, and and that'll be nice. I mean, maybe his first feud is with Elias, and Elias wants stars. He's going to get Roman, Cena, and The Undertaker. I mean, those are the three biggest stars you could possibly ask for at this point, so he's going to lose all these matches, but hey, he's, he's getting the matches I feel like he would want, so... It'll be nice to see Roman on on SmackDown, and yeah, like you said, like AJ abandoned his house, and then the Roman Reigns decided to take over the yard. Squatters' rights, man. <laughs> Just taking it over. So after SmackDown, they announced some more additions to the roster. Uh, first two were Liv Morgan and Mickey James. Sure, I guess Mickey James wanted to be the Monday Night MILF, and now she's the Tuesday Night MILF. Um, Liv Morgan, it sucks. The, like, the Riot Squad was dead. They were buried. They weren't doing anything. We'll see what Liv Morgan can do on her own. I'm not... The, the Again, the SmackDown women's roster is really stacked, and it's going to be... It'll be nice to have a veteran like Mickey there who can you know, work a solid match, teach these girls the ropes, and then live. Uh, we'll see. I don't have it in high hopes for either of them. I They they probably won't get on TV one of those weeks. Yeah, unless they book those uh, Road Dog Special 8 woman tags all the time. <laughs> he used to love doing that all the time. Uh, Chad Gable going to SmackDown. Oh, they did split Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. I didn't even notice that in the draft. Uh, sure, I love Chad Gable. It sucks that this guy just can't do anything, but he's another guy like throw him out there with Ali and Buddy Murphy for 10 minutes and just let them go, and it'll be great. Agreed. Apollo Crews? A guy who should be better and they seem to want to push him sometimes and then he's off television for months and it's like all right what are, what are you doing with this guy another guy throw him out there with these guys for 10 minutes let him go to work and it'll get over yeah the uh, apollo is honestly i mean i like the guy a lot but in wwe he's just a dude but at least he's a guy that if you're gonna put him out there for whatever it is three five ten minutes He's not going to have a bad match. So you have that going for him. And finally, uh, they moved the tag team. I was kind of surprised it wasn't the revival. It was heavy machinery. That, that, that team is dead. They'll do some comedy spots. They were dead on arrival, and they're, they're still dead. And now they're on the, non, the, the non-good tag team brand it would seem i don't know what tag teams are are left i mean the as the bar split like sheamus wasn't there um so it feels like the bar has split now and i I don't know the the smackdown tag team division isn't isn't looking all that great at the moment yeah i have no clue about the bar they didn't it might have just been a week off thing for sheamus and i I don't know but yeah, we'll see what happens. And uh, so that is the the SmackDown portion of the Superstar Shakeup. Earlier, we talked about 
and Jeremy had uh, flat out said that, you know, there's there's been reports, there's been rumors, and obviously it seems there's a lot of people looking to leave WWE disenfranchised of the company for one reason or another. And so we start with Sasha Banks. And according to Dave Meltzer, uh, she has been given time to go home and quote-unquote consider her options. Uh, apparently she wants out, but they're hoping she will change her mind. Again, we, we talked about it. I don't think going home and you know trying to pout through those means is the best way to handle things but it is you know that's how she's going to handle things i don't know when her contract is up i don't think it's been reported when her contract is up so they're not going to release her because especially if she has like a year left on her contract or even more than that like they would just rather you're just going to sit out this this fucking year sasha and then you know then what are you gonna do you want to talk about change and all this stuff we'll just have you sit for a whole year and you know be happy with that so if her contract isn't up soon then the decision seems pretty easy to me because they're they're not releasing her it's as simple as that she's not someone who they're gonna be like all right see you later we don't have a use for you like they clearly like her she's still a featured player every single week what she's been given isn't good for most weeks but she's still on television every week which is more than you can say about a lot of these people um so she's not going anywhere and unless her contract expires soon and she's willing to just hey if it expires in two months i will sit at home for two months and then i'll be gone but i feel like if it expired for I feel like if it, it expired sooner rather than later, she would be more open about just her request and her frustrations. Kind of like the revival. Like the revival were very subtweetish and hinted at a lot of things, but their contracts apparently aren't up until like April 2020. So like how much are they really going to accomplish if they if they say you know, we want our releases and they're not giving it to us. Like, they don't have to. Your contracts are this long. They have some type of plans for you to where they're featuring you to some extent. You know, you're just gonna, they're gonna make you, they're gonna make you sit out. And like, that's their prerogative to do because you're under contract to them. So Sasha, she'll, she'll be back at some point. I don't know if she'll be happy, but she'll, she'll be back. They, they, the reports now are saying they're hopeful she'll be back by money in the bank. I I suspect she will end up back by money in the bank. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which Sasha Banks returns. Are we going to get someone motivated or are we just going to get boo-boo Sasha the rest of her run? You know, I don't know. It's um Yeah, I don't think they're they're releasing her. I I just can't see it. They they've Okay, it's it's a different thing with like Sasha Banks and a Ty Dillinger. You know, all respect to Ty. Um, seems like a really nice guy, but he was a very low card performer. Was barely ever on TV. Decided he wasn't happy. Asked for his release and got it. And that's good for him because he made a decision and he wanted out. 
But the thing is, is like, Sasha, whether you love her or hate her, is treated as a top star. The way they present her, book her, treat her. And yeah, I just, I don't see them letting her go. Because, especially now, because they are throwing more money to keep people because they don't want people going to AEW. And they are just in this mode where they are hoarding talent. They are, you know, fucking Pokemon with Paul, man. Got to collect them all. You know, got to get all the indie stars while I can. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if they let her go. But um, I'm just, I just don't know what we're going to get when she comes back. And that's what I'm going to be fascinated to see. She'll continue to, you know, be a featured player. It's just... Again, you're not making any change by by sitting at home. You you've got to show up. You've got to try to do something like help your own case in these situations. And they they like her. They clearly like her. They clearly see her as a some type of a star. It's just you you can't be a star if you're on vacation with Kalisto. <laughs> um, so. The, she'll be given something good. Like if she comes back for Money in the Bank shit, she she might end up winning the Money in the Bank, and then, I mean Becky, Becky can't hold two belts forever. So, you know Sasha can take one of those belts. Like I could see them doing that, and you know will she be happy for that? Maybe if she loses it on Raw the next night, which is seems to be the case with Sasha, is that she never defends the title. Um, but they they don't have a ton of women's stars right now. They have a ton of women's talent. They just haven't heated many of them up. And it's not like Sasha's hot, but she remains over because she does, I mean, she does really good work with her character and in the ring, and she has a big fan support behind her. So things will smooth over. Sasha is clearly a person who can't hide her emotions well, and she she got seemingly over emotional here and now she'll take time off she'll realize that again if her contract isn't up soon she'll realize that her two options are sit at home and continue to complain on social media or come back try to make the best out of things keep getting your name out there keep pushing for some type of change and going from there sunday night they're going to be airing a part of a house show the Shield's last stand, the last match, uh, apparently on Dean Ambrose's contract. Dean, by all accounts, is leaving. And uh, again, whether you love Dean or not, uh, through most of his run, he was a top guy. Uh, maybe not when he was losing to Bray Wyatt's ghost and getting hit with the TV. But other than that, pretty much top guy, WWE champion, run with the Shield. And uh, he just made the decision he's not resigning and staying. Uh, what do you think of that? It sucks because I've always liked Ambrose. I think that they could have done more with him. And don't get me wrong, they did a lot with him. Like they gave him WWE title runs. He was part of the Shield, which they've been pushing since really their first night on the show. Uh, he's always been in that in a featured position so you can't it's hard to say like oh they completely wasted this guy i don't think he was 
completely wasted. I do think that they still left something on the table with him. You look back at the Brock Lesnar thing, who knows what happened there? It was clearly not a good situation for both of those two men, and it didn't make Ambrose. Like, Ambrose came out the worst out of that. Everything they did with him after Reigns announced he had leukemia was just god-awful stuff. And it didn't have to be. Like, the turn, as much as people didn't like it, like, Rollins and Ambrose have explicitly said, like, we didn't want to do it. It didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. The fans didn't want to see it. They could have made something out of that, though. Like, it was a shocking thing. It did get people talking. Instead, he was getting, you know, tetanus shots a week or two later. And it's like, all right, well, this is stupid. So... I understand Ambrose's frustrations. He's always said he's not in it for the money. He is in it because he just wants creative, you know, creative license, creative joy, and he just wasn't getting that. So I understand why he would maybe want to move on. I believe it to an extent, but the way they've kind of treated it, it's like, all right is this thing going to last forever? Like, is he going to show up in AEW? Is he just going to kind of go on a little bit of an indie run? And then he'll be like, all right, I miss hanging out with Rollins and Reigns and my wife and all this stuff. So I I just want to go back to WWE in six months, a year, however long. I mean, you know, you know how it is with WWE. Like you leave the company, if they, the more they think they can't have you, the more they want you. And when you do return, you're treated as a bigger deal. And Ambrose might be smart enough to kind of know that as I can do my thing for a little while. Then I can say, all right, I'm ready to come back, but I want this. They're going to see just how over I get on the independent scene and stuff. Ambrose doesn't seem like a guy who's just going to, is not going to do a podcast? Um, that's for sure. He's going to go out there, he's going to bust his ass, and he's going to continue to make a name for himself. And then, you know, the WWE will see that. They'll want him more. Kind of like Drew McIntyre, but in a shortened version. I don't think he's going to be on the independent scene for three, four years, however long McIntyre was out of the company for. Uh, Ambrose may, may, may be out for, you know, six months to a year. But I, I do think he ultimately leaves for a little bit. I'll be really interested to see what he does because I think it's like with him, it's going to be one of two extremes. He's either just going to fuck off and go home and drink whiskey all day and bang Renee when she comes home, <laughs> or he's going to go out and like you said, like, you know, I'm you know what? I, I still want to do this shit and he's going to bust his ass and, you know, do a death match or two and just like get his Jones on doing that. So it'll be really interesting because I think it's going to be one extreme or another. And you know what? If he's made the money and he wants to sit home and drink all day and hang out with Renee, more power to him. If he wants to keep working, it'll be interesting to see where he shows up. Because the thing is, is like, you know, AEW is not going to bring him in for like six months. I'd like to think they would be smarter than that because, you know, they know the game and Jericho knows about going and coming and everything. So, It'll be interesting to see where he works and exactly who he works with and basically like what he charges. You know, is he going to do, is he going to do the Ryback thing where he charges way too much so that he can say, well, nobody wants to book me 
Or is he going to do the Drew McIntyre Cody thing where, you know, I'm going to work a triple shot this weekend and cut these three companies a deal since they're all booking me and, you know, give them a reasonable rate and just work a lot. So, yeah, I'm, the Dean thing fascinates me because he's, he's such a weird dude that you just, you don't know what he's thinking and what he's going to play in. And, um, yeah, I'm actually very fascinated by what he does in the future. I don't think he's going to be a guy who is going to price himself out of the Indies because, again, money doesn't seem to be a concern for him. If he if he wanted money, I mean, he turned down reportedly like a huge offer from WWE. So if it was about money, he could have just taken the money and gone from there. Dean, from everything I've heard about him from everything i've heard him say from everything i've read about him he's a guy who just wants to be creatively fulfilled and he's not getting that in wwe right now you go on the independent scene you get to do your death matches you get to work with guys who you didn't think you'd get to work with previously you know you show up at a gcw show or something because they always do some crazy shit Maybe you show up in in AEW. I don't know. Like if you show up in AEW, unless you know, one would think they would sign you to a sort of a lengthy deal. But but again, who who knows how how all that stuff is going to shake out? But you get your name out there more if you show up to AEW. I think Ambrose just wants to kind of do his own thing and just be creatively fulfilled. And so he'll end up working these, these independent dates. Like he's going to get paid well regardless. And he's a guy who's made a lot of money in WWE. And he's a guy who lives a very simple lifestyle. Like from everything you hear, he's not out throwing, you know, millions of dollars around thousands of dollars around spending unnecessary. Like he lives a very, simple uh wholesome life where i mean the guy just wears jeans and a t-shirt all day you're not seeing a dressed up dean ambrose out on the streets too often so i i think he will i don't think it's about money for him i don't think he'll price himself out and again just sit at home and i mean maybe for the first couple of weeks he will because hey who couldn't use a vacation and just wants to drink beer and whiskey and hang out with renee young all day uh, but I don't think he's going to be like doing a podcast or anything like that. I think he will be on the independent scene, busting his ass, working hard. And then again, I think six months to a year, he'll end up back in, in WWE because I don't know how many friends he has, but we know he's really good friends with Rollins and Reigns and it. Reigns is going to keep being in a top position. Rollins is going to be in a top position. They're probably going to talk to Ambrose a lot. I'm sure they can say, like, listen, things have changed to, to this way, that that way, and, you know, come back. We'll we'll make sure everything is good. And Ambrose will be like, especially if Renee is still there, Ambrose will be like, yeah, I miss my friends. We can make this happen. I did my thing on the independent scene. Now I just want to hang out with my friends again. And, you know, they'll treat, him, they'll treat him as a bigger star if he comes back in six months to a year. I mean, that that is what they do. So, um... Yeah, and now that you mentioned GCW, I think I want to see Dean versus uh, Janela now. Yeah. <laughs> John Moxley against Joey Janela. Let's go. Let's let's get crazy, baby. That's all we need. So 
we'll close up with Luke Harper. Luke Harper uh, publicly requested his WWE release via the Twitter machine. And um, I really like Luke Harper, and I think that he's a dude. I mean, he's had injury problems here and there, but I also think he's a guy that they really could have done a lot more with and just never really committed to him to do so. Yeah, Luke Harper, he's an older guy now, and he had a lot to offer. He probably still does have a lot to offer, but Luke Harper is, what, like 39 or something? And maybe that's yeah. not, like, super old um, in, in wrestling terms, but it, it kind of is, especially when you're a guy who just hasn't been treated as a top guy for pretty much your entire career. They're not going to look at a 39-year-old and be like, hey, this is a guy we need to get behind now. Um Luke Harper is is one of those guys who, much like a Ty Dillinger, and you can just tell, and, and even like a Hideo Itami, like he wasn't being used the way he thought he should be used. He can get his release. Like he's a guy they won't have an issue releasing because they just weren't doing anything with him. He's been cleared since February, and they haven't done anything with him. Uh, like he hasn't been on television since August when, when Rowan got hurt and then he had the world collide match, but, but that's legitimately the only real television appearance he's had. Luke Harper is a, a case of this company has so much talent and not enough. And they have, they already have enough television time and still not enough television time to compensate all of this talent like they have five hours of live programming on monday and tuesday they have nxt they have nxt uk they can they can literally do what they want on the wwe network and i realize it costs money to uh televise shows and fly in production crews and set up a, a television product i'm not saying like they can just run television every single day of the week if they wanted to like no that all costs money um but they have a lot of programming and they still don't have enough programming to get a guy like Luke Harper, get a guy like Ty Dillinger, Chad Gable, Apollo Crews, all these talented guys that they have on this roster. They, they don't have spots for them. And I mean, they're running into the, the, a, a similar issue in NXT. Like when EC3 was there, he couldn't get on NXT weekly because they just have so much talent. There's just, so much talent across the board in this company that I understand why guys are just frustrated and they want more than to sit at home and to collect a paycheck. So Harper, his contract is reportedly up at the end of end of the year, um, sometime between October and December. Uh, they'll probably release him before that because he's a guy they weren't using. So if, if they weren't using him, it's not a Sasha Banks situation where they clearly like her. They want to keep her. They want to keep her on television. Her contract may not be up for, for a while. Um, Harper is very much a Ty Dillinger case. They're not using him. They have no reason to actually keep him around other than to be petty and to hoard more talent. So you release him. You, it's a, it looks as a sign of good faith. And then, Maybe Harper returns down the line. Who knows? AEW seems like the landing spot for him because of his uh, 
his, his relationship with uh, the great Mookie. But we'll 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 see. Like AEW has to be very careful of taking just cast off WWE cast off after WWE cast off because especially these older guys like Luke Harper is thirty nine, Ty Dillinger is like thirty six, and these guys are. They talk about wanting to present something new, something fresh, something different. Like, as much as I like Luke Harper and Ty Dillinger, these are not future guys you're going to be building your whole company around. And it can come off as very TNA of, hey, look at these former WWE stars that are now in AEW. But it does still seem like a logical landing spot for Luke Harper. So we'll see. First of all, as long as he doesn't come out and start a promo with, back when I was up in New York, I'll be okay. But, uh, yeah, no, fair points all, but I'm going to say that at this point, I am all for people who are frustrated, who are willing to ask for their release, and who are willing to bet on themselves. Because like we talked about, WWE is hoarding talent. There are people that are very talented not getting anywhere near TV. And we're in a stage right now that you can make money and not be in WWE to do it. You don't have to make WWE to make good money right now. And it's a rarity. It's been a long time. But over the past couple of years, the indie scene has grown a lot. You have AEW now. You just have more people running more people paying and if you want to put the work in and you want to do you know if you have the effort and everything i mean again i'm just i'm all for someone that just looks at their lot in life and goes you know what this fucking job sucks right now and i'm not happy and you know a guy like luke harper and someone like sasha these are people that dreamed of getting to wwe someday and if you're willing to say, you know what, I made it, I lived my dream, but the dream is a nightmare now, and I just want to move on, I am all with you. I think that, that I love when someone bets on themselves. I love when that happens. I think it's great. And I think it's just, it's a time right now to where, for the first time in a long time, it's almost safe to take that chance. You know, I mean, yeah, WWE is the billion-dollar company. It's the guaranteed money. But again, if you're fucking miserable and you're not feeling fulfilled in any way, is it really worth it? So, yeah, I'm all for anybody that is is willing to, to, to break away and just try to be happy doing what they love. Yeah, yeah, Luke Harper is. We will we will see. Um, again, I think he is a guy who could be successful on the independent scene. I, he'll get his release. He'll have his ninety days, and then he'll go from there. He he wasn't being used on WWE. If he if he wants out, he wants out. Again, this is just a case of WWE is taking a bunch of talent. They're hoarding a bunch of talent. And they just don't have spots for them all. They could, I mean, could they create these spots? Sure. Like you can book your television better and not have, you know, super unnecessary segments. And you can, you can 
legitimately create more spots for these guys you know would that mean they are still happy probably not like Sasha Banks is someone who gets on television every single week but she's not happy over her creative direction so it's a giant balancing act you know if Luke Harper is on television for two I mean look where Luke Harper was last year at this time he was a world tag team champion at this time he just won the belts at Wrestlemania no one would have guessed that Luke Harper would have been upset and ready to leave the company at this time. Like this is just how quickly things can change a year later. He hasn't been used on television for eight months and and now he wants out. So it, it's a, it's a tough situation. I, people like to criticize WWE and be like, Oh, they're misusing this person. They're not doing right by this person, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's an issue that they have hoarded all this talent. It's also just an issue of booking wrestling is fucking difficult sometimes. Managing all these guys, managing all these egos, managing all the creative direction and everything, like dealing with injuries. It's not an easy task. And WWE doesn't always put themselves in the best position to do all of this especially in 2000 like in 2019 i feel like it's harder than ever because there is so much talent out there and they're like with the advent of social media talent can easily express their frustration uh you know more than they could in like the 90s and the early 2000s and everything and it's a tough situation luke harper has got to do what's best for him and what's best for him is leaving and getting his release and then probably doing well on the independent scene and we'll see where he goes yeah it'll be interesting to follow the uh the stories as they unfold and to see you know there's reportedly i don't know if i want to say a lot but there's reportedly a lot of you know a good number of talents frustrated right now and a lot of them may be looking for a way out. And it's it's very interesting timing, not only because you have like AEW looking to become a player, but it's also at a time where WWE is about to be more financially successful than it's ever been. And do you want to give up that guaranteed spot and money? I mean, you may not be fully fulfilled. But do you want to do you want to bet on yourself? Do you want to take a chance on a company that hasn't even run their first show as we record this? And do you want to take that chance if you're, you know, Luke Harper? He's a 39, his wife and kids, and apparently, I mean, he must be really unhappy if he's willing to give up that pay that guaranteed pay that he knows is going to be there. So again, it'll be uh, really interesting to follow the, uh, the stories as they go forward, who leaves, who's pissed, who is uh, just going to take their ball and go home, whatever you want to call it. But uh, we will uh, keep up and follow on that. And uh, Jeremy, I want to thank you for your time as always. Thank you for having me as always. Yeah. Uh, We will be, Jeremy will definitely be back next week. We're the, preview a big loaded weekend of shows and uh but until then remember you can follow the 411 on wrestling podcast on itunes stitcher spotify google play youtube and of course on 411mania.com i'm your host larry zonka 
happy wrestling and thank you for listening